Welcome back to Love You Mom, and Alzheimer's Story. Thank you for continuing to come back. We are so grateful. In the last episode, we talked about our summer with mom, and that was a part two. So if you've just found this podcast, go back and listen to one through seven, push that subscribe button and leave a comment. If you like what you're listening to, please tell a friend. Who knows? It just might be exactly what they need to hear today. And now, let's get to the show. Episode 8 from Love You Mom and Alzheimer's Story, our last trip to the coast. We did not think it would happen. I don't think any of us thought that we would go to Oregon again, much less the coast. In fact, I swear after the last trip that John had said, never again, and he meant it. That trip was mentally exhausting as well as super fun, special, and meaningful. Mom brought back rocks from that trip to Ben. She has loved collecting rocks. Mom and John's house has collected rocks all over, outside and in, each one very special to Mom. She also had pictures from the trip to Bend that we printed as soon as we got home to help jog her memory of the fun we had. She looked at these many times daily when she was at home and actually still does at her assisted living residence. I don't really remember what made us think we could go on such a long drive again with mom, but when John asked if Chris and I were in and said that our friend Donna was in, the plan was set. We would meet Donna at the Redmond Airport just outside of Bend, Oregon, and all plan on staying the night at a hotel, leaving the next day for the coast. We were so excited. As the trip drew closer, we weren't sure if John would be able to get Mom in the car and get her to our house in Nampa, about a three-hour drive by himself. It was getting tougher to get her out of the house, and if she didn't want to go somewhere, it could be nearly impossible to force the issue. People with Alzheimer's can become suspicious because of the way the disease is working in their brains. They can become paranoid and have intrusive thoughts. My mom would have thoughts like this, and they were very difficult to stop. She would think that John was having an affair, that he was leaving her, that when he left the house on the rare occasion by himself, that he had the time and energy to have another person on the side. There was absolutely no truth to this, but the tears would come and she'd sob. Or the silence would begin, and she might talk to Chris and I, but would completely ignore John, thinking he'd he'd been unfaithful. John would plead with her and promise, but it didn't usually matter. The disease was working its terrible symptoms on my mom's brain. I don't, of course, know the inner workings of their relationship as the kid, but I've always known how much John loves my mom, and mom and I would talk about everything under the sun more than I've ever talked to girlfriends of mine, and she never, not once, brought this up prior to being diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Painful. It's very painful still, especially for John. Here he was devoting all day, every single day, to this woman that he cherishes, and the disease was making her think that he wasn't. This is still occurring now on occasion, when John heads to McCall to check on the house weekly. Mom will cry and think that he's left her and cry some more. I sometimes wonder if it's because they've always done everything together and her brain can't really simulate what could possibly take him away. 
And because Alzheimer's symptoms and personality changes can occur anytime, any day, anywhere, we weren't sure that mom would be in a good headspace the day that mom and John were coming to Nampa to meet us for the trip. I made plans to go up to McCall a day early so that we could caravan back to our house together. Sometimes, a lot of times, mom would act differently with me. She might do something for me that she wouldn't for John. I always thought, and still do, that this was because the relationship between a mom and a kid is so different from a spouse relationship. When we talked about the trip to the coast, I would tell her that I was excited to go, that it would be so fun, and she would be excited too. She'd say, oh, another trip to the coast. She couldn't wait to look for rocks with Donna, smell the ocean spray, and eat good seafood. We had a lot riding on this trip. John had arranged a house a couple of blocks from the coast. We didn't want to have to cancel. So I rearranged my schedule and left time open in case I needed to get to McCall to help my mom get in the car. We were going to head out for the coast via Bend, Oregon on a Tuesday. I decided that if needed, I'd drive there on Monday, stay overnight, and head to Nampa with them Tuesday morning. I waited for the call from John, completely expecting to take that drive to help them. But lo and behold, John texted from the car that they were on their way. I I really couldn't believe it. Happily, we waited for them to arrive. We would depart from Nampa the next morning and head out on our last trip to the coast. We didn't know for certain that it was our last trip, but we were pretty sure. And it was. We arrived in Bend, having picked up Donna at the Redmond Airport. It was during COVID, and Donna, being the great friend that she is, got on the airplane wearing gloves, a mask, and a raincoat that looked like a trench coat. She tried to cover as much of her body as possible. When she got off the plane, she went to the bathroom and completely changed her clothes, bagging up the others in case COVID had infected them. That is a great friend. Mom was ecstatic to see her buddy, and we drove to the hotel. We ended up staying at a Best Western in Sisters, Oregon, and there were alpacas on the property. Donna and I walked Mom to see the animals as John and Chris got us checked in. We had a lot going on with five humans and two dogs. Oh yes, our treasured pups, Lily and Duchess, came with us. We went out to dinner in Sisters, Oregon that night at a saloon of some sort. We sat outside and enjoyed each other's company. I remember there was a black German shepherd at the table next to us, and Mom asked the people about their pup and spent the dinner looking over at the well-behaved dog. Animals continue to amaze me. Their ability to get people out of their shells, to talk, or to bring people together is such a beautiful gift. My mom talked about that black dog after we left. The next morning, we went to Sisters Coffee Company and looked around downtown Sisters. It was fun to hang out with all of us together because we could enjoy Mom's company and easily keep an eye out for tripping hazards or confusion. Enough of us on hand to help with bathroom breaks and ordering off of the menu. These are all aspects of loss that you experience with Alzheimer's. Speaking in public becomes scarier, so people may need to order for you. You may not receive the correct signals from your brain and tripping becomes more of a factor. 
unknown spaces such as bathrooms may become more difficult to maneuver on your own. But we had this very special team, and we worked well together, trying to do all of the fun things on our vacation list without letting Alzheimer's symptoms stop us. We still work well together. Recently, Donna visited from Colorado, and we were able to take my mom from her assisted living facility out to lunch. We went to this really cool farm that John found not too far from here, where they have a restaurant that serves locally grown fruits, veggies, and meat. They have you-pick flower fields where you can fill a canning jar with their beautiful flowers for $10, and we saw the flower fields as we drove in. We got mom out of the car, took a few steps towards the stairs up to the restaurant, and she instantly looks at the ground, bends over at the waist, and picked up a small rock. Her favorite rock was here. I almost started crying. I know for sure that I got misty-eyed. She was still finding favorite rocks. That rock is now in my kitchen in a special bowl so that I can see it every day and remember. We finally arrived at the coast, stopping at a grocery store for food for dinner. John was fried. Donna, Mom, John, and Lily were in one car, and Chris, Duchess, and I were in the other car. My car ride was pretty quiet, with occasional talking while listening to podcasts and music. And as an aside, if you haven't checked out Toasted Marshmallow Adventures podcast, it is a great one with Chris and I. We've interviewed lots of interesting people, and it is great for a road trip binge. John, I believe, listened to questions from Mom for hours. It was exhausting, and it was written all over his face. He needed some quiet time. We arrived at the house John rented, and it was fantastic. It had a nice open kitchen and living area facing the beach, with a master bedroom and huge bathroom on one end, and a couple of bedrooms and an outdoor hot tub on the other. John gave Chris and I the master bedroom, and he and Mom took a room next to Donna with a straight shot outside to the hot tub. We were on one side of the house, they were on the other. It was a really good setup. John would text in the morning when Mom was awake, and I would go to their room to try to ensure that she would wake up happy, in a good mood, and ready for the day. Some days she would wake up and instantly be sad, and those days were more difficult to get her to rally for the day. But we did. Every single day. We tried easing into the day with coffee, breakfast, and chatting. Then we'd formulate a plan of attack. Our days at the coast always involved a trip to the beach. The Oregon coast has so many amazing beaches. We would include a stop for seafood somewhere and maybe peruse a shop that sold wood carvings or beachy trinkets. One of the days we were out and about, a lifelong friend of my mom's called and said they were coming over to our rental home in the evening. Dee and Russ showed up and they brought a pile of old pictures to go through together. My mom and Dee have been friends since I was about nine years old. They met a single woman in Juneau, Alaska, each having one child and they became fast friends, actually family. Dee and my mom have skied together in Juneau, gone on hikes, snowshoed, camped, kayaked, gotten together for holidays and many, many dinners at each other's homes over the years. 
Dee is now 81 years old and my mom is 78. It was beautiful and sad as I watched Dee and mom chatting and laughing about the pictures. They've traveled to Africa together and went to a Broadway play in New York. Lifelong, forever friends. And it was sad to think that this was probably the last time they'd see each other in person. My eyes would mist up and I'd try to stay in the moment. Hugs goodbye and a fond farewell to these treasured friends. Until we meet again. After one spectacular day at the coast, there was the greatest sunset. It took over the whole sky and we were out there as it started to go down behind the water. The rental house had a kite that John already had up in the sky and the wind was really blowing. It was a perfect evening for kite flying. We each took a turn and I got a couple of great photos of my mom holding onto that kite string for dear life. It looked like it might carry her up into the sky. I've called her my little mommy since I was a kid, and this is exactly why. She's always been smaller than me. And now, as talking and remembering is much more difficult for her, I draw on those old names that I've called her. She's my little mommy, my mom-pom, and sometimes my little, my little Lulu. These are all names from my childhood and she still knows them. It warms my heart to be able to connect with her in that way. As the sun set on that great day, I see John and Lily walking near the water. My mom is laughing and trying not to be carried away by a kite. Chris and Donna join, and it's our perfect little team. We ended the evening with ice cream, hugs all around, and the promise of another fun day on the coast. Cherished times. We headed out to Depot Bay, a cute little beach town on the coast. We were going to be eating a delicious seafood meal in a COVID-approved space. This was our first meal inside of a restaurant since COVID began. We'd been only eating outside at restaurants until now. We felt comfortable, though. There was social distancing, people wore masks anytime they were up walking around, and there were large plexiglass dividers between the tables. The view was fantastic. A fun and funny part of this trip was something our good friend Donna began doing anytime we ate out. She would start to review that restaurant while we were eating at the table and compare it to other places we'd eaten. We would all laugh as she detailed the service we'd received and toss a shrimp into her mouth. And so began the recordings of Miss Donna's restaurant reviews. For a funny clip of Donna's reviews, check out our website at ToastedMarshmallowAdventures.com. They are a hoot! After lunch, we walked through town checking out stores, eventually ending up near a bridge eating ice cream. Not a bad way to spend a day. On the way home, something happened to Mom. In her brain. We were traveling in two cars, and I received a text from Donna saying that Mom was really mad and she and John had no idea why. We had planned to walk to the beach when we returned, but Mom was really furious, to the point that she took off walking when she exited the car at the house, and John chased after her. Chris got in our car to try and catch her before she got to the main road. 
John eventually found her on foot, and although she still wouldn't talk to any of us, she came home with John, and we let her cool off in her room. Maybe a reset was in order. Sometimes, a lot of times, we'd call for a reset, and this was usually in the form of a nap. Most times, if Mom had a nap, it seemed like something reset in her brain and she was happy again. This was a disease. One time when we were in McCall, we had the reset of all resets. Mom had really been going around and around about where Chris and I lived, and was this a new house or one she'd seen before, and even showing her pictures didn't jog her memory. This was terrifying to her. She would wonder why she couldn't remember where we lived because we told her she'd been there many times, and she would then cry and cry. Because it had been several days stuck in a similar thought loop, we thought that a trip to Nampa would be in order. But any time we tried to get her to come with us, she would decline, and you could tell that she wasn't going to budge on this decision. John, Chris, and I came up with a plan. John was going to pack her an overnight bag, and Chris and I were going to somehow get her into the car and then tell her on the way where we were going. It was a bit risky if she got upset, but we felt that with two of us, we could manage. If we got out of the driveway, John was going to finish closing up the house, load up Lily, and eventually meet us at the house in Nampa. We all held our breaths when I asked Mom if she wanted to go for a drive. She looked to John, and he nodded to say it was a good idea. She said she'd go. Chris was standing by to help. Duchess was loaded into the car, and I helped her get her shoes on. I don't think any of us breathed until that car door was shut and we were backing down the driveway. I texted John that Mom was in a good headspace to take his time, and we'd see him in Nampa. Holy crap, we did it! Mom and I looked at the sights and talked the whole way down. What a relief. Reset accomplished, and as a side note, the last time my mom was in my home. This was November 2020, and right before Chris was diagnosed with COVID. We didn't know it at the time, but he had COVID while he was driving Mom and I to Nampa that day. All three of us breathing the same air for three hours. When it was time to say goodbye to the coast, it was a bit tough for John and I, knowing this was more than likely Mom's last time seeing her beloved ocean, finding her cherished ocean stones, and feeling the sand between her toes. Thank you so much for listening. In our next episode, episode 9, I will go into how we almost lost mom over 11 days in December 2020. These were the most difficult days. We had no sleep. Mom was catatonic, and we had to process very quickly that she wasn't going to make it through. Our team held strong, though, and together we made it to actually celebrating Christmas last year with every team member alive and well. We have so much to be grateful for.